This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNXRadio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Now that vaccines are available, being administered, some people have expressed concern about side effects. There have been a few allergic reactions connected to vaccines. Now there is an investigation into a possible death. A doctor in Florida died just two weeks after receiving Pfizer's vaccine. We'll explore what role, if any, the vaccine played in the death. Researchers have found two new strains of the virus, new variants here in the U.S. We'll look into what that means and how worried we should be. California expanding who can get the COVID vaccine now. Will it actually speed up the whole process? Hopefully. COVID has not impacted everybody equally. We'll look into how it's hit certain communities much harder than others. Let's start with the doctor's death after getting the Pfizer vaccine. He apparently developed a rare blood disorder after being vaccinated. Here to explain is Dr. Rebecca Saff. She directs the Allergy and Immunology Fellowship Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. So, Doctor, how concerned should people be about all this? So overall, you know, we've had over 10 million doses of the vaccine, um, and there is this, you know, case that's being investigated of ITP where the platelets drop very low. I think the the biggest problem with the association is that ITP occurs um, and can occur in the general population um, actually more frequently than one in 10 million people. So it's very difficult to know if it's associated with the vaccine. Certainly the timing is suspicious. But overall, I think that the fact that we have had 10 mil- more than 10 million doses very safely administered is very reassuring. And that's exactly what Pfizer is saying, right? That there's not any direct connection right now, but you know, investigations are underway. Yeah, no, so certainly it should be investigated. But I think people should feel reassured that you know this is a rare blood disorder that can happen in the general population um, and that we have had this many doses that have been safely given and given the seriousness of covid infections with more than you know 380 million or 1000 people who have died of that is there any easy way for somebody who might be concerned maybe overly concerned before they get vaccinated to find out what the probability is that they may suffer a severe reaction as this doctor in Florida apparently did? So I don't think there's anything that, you know, pre the vaccination that you can do again for this very rare disorder. Certainly, you know, one of the signs of ITP is getting uh, small, small spots on your skin that don't, uh, they don't blanch. And so when you press on them, they don't change colors. And so certainly if you start to see any rash after you get the vaccine, um, you should be seen by your physician so that's very important. And usually IDP, when treated early, um, they're able to treat it with medications. And this would be, I think in this case, what it was days later, the other reactions we've seen have happened, uh, the more you know, allergic reactions, the kind where you would get some treatment right there, EpiPen or, or whatever, have been you know, pretty soon after getting the vaccine shot. That's exactly right. So allergic reactions happen within usually minutes of receiving the vaccine. And we have had cases of anaphylaxis related to the vaccine. So we're certainly being very cautious. Um, All people who receive the vaccine are being monitored for 15 minutes um, per the CDC guidelines. And then if you have a history of anaphylaxis for the 30 minutes in order to really be able to catch people who have early symptoms and treat them. And then all the people that have had anaphylaxis have been treated with epinephrine and have fully recovered, which is really reassuring to us. Do other vaccines cause this uh, potential problem? Uh, are some more prone to it than others? So so I'm not an expert in ITP, um, but uh, it has been associated with the MMR vaccine um, in children. 
uh, again, it's, it's been difficult to make the association because it, most cases occur what we call idiopathic, meaning we don't have a good cause for it. Um, but that has been, a, there has been a few cases associated with the MMR vaccine. Dr. Which Rebecca, is a very different oh, vaccine. Yeah. All right. Dr. Rebecca Saff directs the Allergy and Immunology Fellowship Program, Massachusetts General. Doctor, thanks. Scientists in Ohio say they've identified two new variants of COVID-19. They say they originated right here in the U.S. So do we worry about this? Bloomberg News health reporter Michelle Cortez with WBBM's Cisco Cotto. So on the heels of hearing more about the strains that are coming out of the UK and South Africa, we're hearing about some changes that are happening in the United States. And Cisco, you have to remember that this isn't unexpected. The virus, every time it, it replicates inside your body or as it goes from one person to the other, it has the potential to mutate. And that's what they're seeing now in Columbus. Just like with those earlier strains, they're suggesting that it doesn't seem to make the virus itself more deadly. It's just easier to transmit which, of course, with easier transmit means more cases, more hospitalizations and more deaths. So it's definitely not good news. But the idea that we're seeing more novel cases of coronavirus in the U.S., it is happening and it's to be expected. And that's why when we hear the numbers of uh, vaccinations that have been given out, you know, you'll hear 10,000 here, 15,000 there. In the grand scope of things, we need a lot more people to be vaccinated. Exactly. We're going to need close to, uh, you know, all the country having either been infected or vaccinated at some point. The the lower figures are 60 to 70 percent of Americans. And of course, that's hundreds of millions of people. We're talking about 10 million doses so far have actually made it into someone's arms at this point. So we're not anywhere near where we need to be. The more people that are vaccinated, the less building hosts for the virus, the less replication, the less chance of any of these variants cropping up, especially the more deadly ones. So absolutely, you're right. We need to get vaccination rolling. Now, is there a chance? I mean, I guess I hate to ask it that way because there's always a chance, but you have these new strains and there may likely be other new strains. Is there a chance we get to the point where there is a mutation of the coronavirus vaccine out there that these vaccines don't do anything for? Yeah, absolutely. Every time you see the mutation happening, it's like opening a door into an entirely new room. So the mutation can happen and then you have a new setting and there can be another mutation that occurs that would make it be able to evade the impact of the vaccination. And so that's what everyone is, of course, worried about. Not only that, we're hearing already that the FDA is looking into testing to make sure that the tests we have out there are accurately detecting these variants. So the risk, of course, would be that you get back a negative result suggesting that you're not infected when, in fact, you're infected, just not with a variant that the test picks up. So both of those things are concerns. At this point, we don't believe that either one of those are possible, but it's something that experts are watching closely. Thanks as always for the info. Michelle Cortez, health reporter at Bloomberg News. Coming up after this short break, will California's new vaccine rules get more shots into more arms quickly? California is ranked 42nd in the U.S. when it comes to vaccine distribution, even though it has received more doses than any other state at nearly 3 million. That makes sense considering the state's population, but only 27 percent of those doses have been administered. So California now trying to speed things along, letting everybody 65 and older get a shot. Dr. Jeffrey Luther with us. He's a member of the California Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, The board of directors also a member of California's COVID vaccine advisory committee. So, doctor, please, how will this work? The recommendations that came out from the federal government yesterday and that the states reacted to, I think overall are some positive steps. I think we're all glad to be getting additional doses that the feds were initially holding up. 
And I think the more basic age-based tiers without quite so many of the subcategories will make it simpler to communicate and simpler to arrange. Um, but you're right, the, the big problem is with distribution and that's at the county or city level. And a lot of doctors, offices and medical groups and hospitals are madly trying to get additional doses, but it's not a smooth process yet. There are still kind of conflicting messages because people who may be picking up their morning paper or looking on their phone to get the news, first they learn that at the federal level, the CDC is saying 65 plus, you can now get inoculated. Now they hear that Governor Newsom is saying the same thing. That Yet, if you go online and kind of jump around, in Orange County, it's saying, yeah, 65 plus, you can get it. L.A. County still is frozen at where it was yesterday. So we're still not really good at giving out messages. I agree. And part of it is confusion over who's making the rules. And part of it is everyone is trying to communicate the last thing they've heard, whether it's accurate or not, which is kind of maybe typical, especially in the days of social media. The federal government makes the recommendations. The states are the ones that decide how they're going to do it in their state. And the county, or in some cases city, pretty much has to go along with what the state rec, uh, dictates, but they have to figure out how to do it. So, so, LA, so LA County, to be clear, for people who are yeah. listening to us, so regardless of what it may or may not say on the, on the LA County website, what you're saying, as I understand it, is now that the state of California has decided to go along with the CDC recommendation and the next group up is 65 plus, LA County has to do that? Uh, that would be my understanding, yes, that there's, there's discretion as to how they implement it, but they're doing it in cooperation with the state's guidelines. What do you know about this system for where the state says there will eventually be one, even maybe next week, where you can see if you're eligible and then get notified? Because right now, anywhere you go, I mean, we've called a bunch of doctors over the last couple of weeks, and they say, we haven't heard anything like for family care physicians. When you look around, it says, uh, call your provider. But not everybody's with UCLA Health, right? Some people just have a, a primary care doc. Some people don't even have a doctor. Some people are on Medicare. So how do you envision people actually figuring out, you know, when can I go to Dodger Stadium if that's what's going to happen here, where that's where you can give 10,000 doses a day, hopefully? I see it happening through the state working madly to create an app that people can use to identify if they're um, in the tier that's at bat and where they can go. And then the county arranging scheduling opportunities for people. But you're right, there are people who have, haven't been to the doctor in years or decades, don't have a relationship with a physician and reaching those communities is gonna be the hardest part. But, you know, we've had a lot of airplane analogies on the show for some reason today. And it, it, yesterday, it, too. And yesterday, too. It, it almost sounds a little bit like, you know, the, the announcement has been made in the terminal to board your plane, but people are going to the gate and the plane's still not there. Uh, how do we get the plane there quickly so that they can start boarding? I think we get people into their A, B, and C boarding groups as the plane is taxiing and tell them it's going to be a few more minutes before they can clean the plane and get them on board. I'm still in the bar having a, a drink. Dr. Jeffrey Luther, member of the uh, California Academy of Family Physicians, he's on the Vaccine Advisory Committee. The Rand Corporation took a poll to figure out how the pandemic is impacting communities uh, around the country and how it could impact them in the future. KYW's Matt Leon talked to Anita Chandra, vice president and director of Rand Social and Economic Wellbeing, about the results and what they mean. 
You know, across racial group, amongst this, you know, group that we have been surveying who have been heavily impacted economically and otherwise by the pandemic, there is a resounding endorsement that this is an opportunity for positive change in our society to really grapple with some of these inequities economically and socially. I think the point, though, is to say just because we had raised the awareness, particularly with more you know, news reports and media reports talking about things like systemic racism, I can't tell you how much I've heard that term more in the last year than I have in prior years as a researcher who studies this. Um, but that's not going to do it. That's, um, that's, that is not enough of the conversation. And so even with that kind of shock to our system about um, civil unrest and um, policing discussions and COVID and everything else that's going on, um, it's going to take a lot more to move values and mindsets. These are deeply entrenched uh, and they are harder to move than a lot of other things. You know, we can ask people whether they support one policy over another and they, they might change from year to year. We see that in our work. Um, but when it comes to kind of how you see your community by race, um, how you see your um, trajectory in America, the kind of narrative that you buy into, that that's tightly held. And we've been studying this long before this survey. Um, these mindsets and, and attitudes are, um, are going to take some real work. And so as much as the Band-Aid was ripped off, it's not a Band-Aid solution, right? And that we have to acknowledge. Were there any other findings that, that stood out to you from, from this set of the survey? Well, you know, the one thing I will say is while there's deep, we ask questions about trust in the federal and, and state government and some of those kinds of questions. And I don't think it'll be surprising to you that trust in government is at an all time low, although a little bit more trust in state um, and local government over the federal government. But we asked questions about what people were doing in their communities to help each other out, what they were observing about civic engagement in their communities. And there were a lot of promising things that people were reporting locally. People were collaborating, people were helping each other out. And so how can we build on those stories locally where people are um, renewed and reawakened in terms of their civic responsibility, neighbor helping neighbor? How can we build on that to remind ourselves kind of of what our mission is nationally? And I think there's a lot to dig into at the local level that was very promising from our survey and, and lifting up those um, approaches, those strategies, those stories will be absolutely critical going forward because I think that's where a lot of the innovation will be on some of these conversations about race and health and equity and those kinds of topics. Getting vaccine doses into as many arms as possible as quickly as possible is going to be the only plausible way out of this pandemic soon. But there's now a new problem. Politico reporting that Johnson & Johnson's vaccine has hit a production snag. Now, that could potentially delay the delivery of millions of life-saving shots by two months. The company vowed to make 12 million of the single-dose shots available by the end of February. But it has warned health officials that it has fallen behind and may not catch up to that projection until late April. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is seen as a, as a critical step to fighting the pandemic in part because it requires only one dose and it doesn't need to be stored at sub-zero temperatures. You can find us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.